to the stage. All right. Hello, this is Re. Actually, now we're doing it. It's quite weird. <laughs> um, so, welcome to the podcast section of the of the evening. We're going to sit and we're going to talk with Adam and we're going to pick his brains and expose his deepest, darkest secrets. We've got a question already. Sorry, no. Question from the audience. You don't need to run out. If anything, that would be more distracting. But <laughs> 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 Adam, again, Adam's Adam's off anyway. But uh, oh, he's shutting it. He's a professional. He's a professional. Look at that. This is a man who is going to Edinburgh. <laughs> shutting the door. Woo! Yes, for you for Edinburgh. All right. I didn't clap for that. I'm just getting on a train. <laughs> Hello. You're not performing. When you get there, you just... Yeah, yeah that's to be fair, yeah. <laughs> no, stop, stop cheering me. <laughs> stop cheering me, right. We'll, we'll make him... Don't worry, we'll make you blush. Hello, Adam. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right. This is weird, isn't it? It's quite weird, isn't it? <laughs> um, poetry and writing and funny stuff. You do all of those. Yes. Yes. When do you... <laughs> it's really weird to talk to you as a friend yeah. of all these people now. Um, tell, tell me, we never talked about, like, Growing up or, or childhood, were you interested in arts and stuff as a kid, as young? Um, I was, I think so. I, I think a lot of people remember a lot more about their childhoods than I do. I'm not sure why that is. Mm. Uh, I, was, I wasn't lonely, but I spent all of my time on my own. Oh, <laughs> um, No, I wasn't, I wasn't lonely. I, 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 played a, I played a lot of Pokemon, um, <laughs> like, a, like a lot. Um, and then um, sometimes would play outside with various children, but not that often. <laughs> um, so I spent. A l- I think the the good answer to this question was I always wrote things. I was I wrote a lot of like stories as a sort of five year old, six year old, sort of all the time. That they they always you know it's like when you're sort of that age, like you write the beginning first page, like you, you fold a bit of A4 in half. And then you write, this is going to be a great story. And then you do a first sentence, you introduce the character, which is essentially you. <laughs> and then that's it. And then the next day, you just do it again. New folder. So yeah, I've, I've written the beginnings of hundreds of novels, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Um, but yeah, I, was, I, 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 was, I think I came to all the writing stuff and the being interested in general um, culture that wasn't Pokemon related, um, sort of at secondary school, basically. I've never had a conversation where people are watching me talk. 
Yeah, it's, it's getting used, and we're getting used to it live. It's quite weird. Yeah. But it's um, really funny. The, those those people over there, they do change. Well, not for you, apparently. You're talking about anything. But they change the way that I'm having this conversation with you. Even though, it, as we record it, normally, like, people are really open, aren't they? Like, on Zoom or when we meet them in person, people talk about all sorts of, like, really personal stuff. But just by the nature of actually having seen you do it, we've got a bit more focus, I think, because I, I want to talk to you about all of the set and the new stuff and drafting and editing. But before, I want to talk about this room, right? Because you're quite familiar with it, hosted the most. This is a lovely room. It is a lovely room. It's, um, it's been very kind to all of us in various, in various shapes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so you've moved from high school, mm -hmm. university, how did you find creativity like at, at uni? Yeah, so that basically in sixth form, um, my teacher called Tony, who still likes my Facebook posts, and I, which is lovely, um, <laughs> uh, basically just showed me poetry. Like, obviously, we were all there in the class, but like, <laughs> I, ex I experienced it via him, um, and then started, and then I was I was just the right age. Um, to be very impressionable and start writing awful, awful young boy poetry, um, which is all about people not finding me attractive and stuff. You know what it's like. Um, start, so that's just classic. Um, oh, not you personally. <laughs> Teenagers, you know, unrequited, blah, blah. Um, I really liked Larkin, especially, which is a classic poet for that sort of thing. Um, and that's really when it started for me. I didn't really write anything like that until uni, but then I took an English and creative writing degree because I wanted to go and learn about all of that and, and sort of and start getting into that world. But I wasn't in that world until I came to Manchester. Like I just didn't know anything like this ever went on, ever. Yeah, absolutely. I was a chef for 10 years and then when I got into, I mean, at the end of those 10 years, uh, it made me quite ill for various reasons and I needed an outlet, I, need, I needed to do something, to change. And uh, thank God for my mum, that she was a, she's a writer as well. Uh, she'd done the degree and she pushed me to it. But again, I had no idea of the sort of world that was out there. I was studying like page poetry and all that sort of stuff and it was, not, it was only when I finished a degree and I thought, what now? And then I was like, okay, open mics. Uh, in Manchester, and I found a couple, and Verbose was actually the second uh, night that I ever did in this room, hosted by you and Amy. But yeah, it's a whole new world out there, isn't it? Completely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I just didn't know people. I think when you're at school, and then maybe at sixth form, and you read, you're, like, you're given books to read, you just assume that people, like all writers are sort of 60 odd and minted, <laughs> and then actually most of it is just us lot. Here doing it for free, and then you just know. I guess if people told you about that, you wouldn't take it as a degree, mainly because you think, <laughs> well, but it's, uh, it's good that they don't tell you that writers don't make any money. What was your first open mic in Manchester? Was it, it, it was verbose, oh, and, yeah. and it was OG verbose yeah, back in the day. In that was no, that was second. Right. Um, so there's four, five. five God, five. it's great, isn't it? It's yeah, so cool. Yeah. So I went to the first. One, it had been going about three years by then, I think, and that was in Fallowfield, mm. at um, Fallow Cafe, and um, that's because my poetry tutor in second year um, said, you should go and do this stuff there. 
So thanks. And he was just a supply guy. Like, he wasn't the main guy. So I, if, if he hadn't told me to do that, if he hadn't, if my actual tutor had been ill, maybe I'd never have been to Verbose, which yeah. is great. Um, so I, d I just came, and it was run by Sarah Claire Conlon back then. And you know, I, I really lo love Sarah. Like she gave me my first um, bit. And I, and I did a poem that um, I now don't do anymore because it's quite mean. Um, and that, well, we'll get onto that. Um, but people liked it, and it's a feeling you never get to replicate anywhere else. Um, so Verbose is obviously was, was already very strong in my heart. And then, yeah, me and Amy were generation four. Me and Zoe and Ava were generation three. You, you, you're a long a long-standing... I struggle to let go of things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Everyone else is moving on. And yeah. Like, I'm fucking staying. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Push me out of this room. How did, how did you get asked to, to, to come and do it? I'm, I've been fascinated. I was just talking to Lisa about this, actually, the other day. I'm fascinated by the, the process of, like, ooh, it's your turn to take... Like, who, how did they come and say, do you want to do this? Yes, it was great. So Sarah, Claire gave it to Joe and Zena. Um, because I think most people just, you know, like the Doctor Who thing, which you say a lot on the podcast, which I really like, is um, I think essentially you, you do it for a few years and then the person who runs it decides they want to move on and just, just do some more of their own writing. So that's what Sarah did, and she gave it to Joe and Zena. And then Joe and Zena had it in Levenshume. That was Levenshume at Fred's for about two years, I think, maybe a bit longer than that. And then they both wanted to move on to focus on other projects. I mean, Zena's written a book. Joe does Book Drive Live, and she's written a book or two now, I think. Um, so maybe my book's around the corner. Um, so then they they messaged me and said, um, "We think you and and you know you you, you would do it really well." Um, and then I, I, I said, "These people they didn't know Ava and Zoe as well." But I was like, "I don't think I would do it very well." But thanks for asking. I think Ava and Zoe would do much better, uh, not just because I was in the room. Um, <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so we, we 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 joined forces, um, and then. We really got into our stride, uh, and then th it was a pandemic, yeah. uh, which was fun. But I think what I think what we're most proud of, for both sides, was doing it over the pandemic, which we just it wasn't like we sat down and was like this is going to be great, this will be great for the community. <laughs> we just said, oh well, we'll just have to do it online then. But then just 80, 90 people turned up to them, and it was incredible, like how many people wanted to be on that and be part of it. And I hate saying the word community because I always make it sound like a, basically I've got a voice that sounds like I don't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is why I'm struggling to answer your questions with any sort of sincerity. <laughs> but it's a lovely community and I'm really, really happy to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, I have, everything I sound, say sounds patronizing and insincere. But it's not a good thing. I can't give any praise to anybody ever. Like, Oh, Will, that was a great poem. I loved that. <laughs> but I did, and I have no way of telling you. That's why I always give praise afterwards via a message. So <laughs> I do, I do. It's because because it sounds better written down. Was it a big change to host it online? Did you find... Um, what's the question? Did you, did you find that it was you got uh, like a bigger crowd or that it was, did you find that it was like something that people needed? Yeah, I think, I think that was the first one we did. Because we'd done it, we, we took over at Fred's and the capacity, the capacity there was sort of 40-ish. 
and it would fill it. It's always every time every time Vince boasts, it's always full. Whoever's running it, it's such an institution, and it's so important, and it's so great that it passes on to each person because everyone that comes into it comes into it with renewed vigor, and I think that's why it's lasted so long. And it's always like you don't even really have to promote it that much. It's just it's just become its own beast, and it's really nice to be someone who had in, had had the lead for a bit, but it's also bigger than you, so it's really not. It's not very stressful because you think, well, it's for both. For both will live, so it, it's quite relaxing. So that's why when we did it online, we just thought, oh, well, we'll just have to do it online then. It was never like, oh, what if no one ever comes? But it's just like people. Ha it's like people have always come to Verbose. I used to go to Verbose, and now I'm on the. And now I'm the person sending out the Zoom link, and you, you know it will work because it's just yeah, it's an institution. But then when when 90 people came to the first one, we thought, oh, people have been bored, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> like, and we had just we had so many people from like yeah, like America, South America. We had some people from like from like Canada, and they came back the second time. I think that they, they did the Canadians actually come to a live one. I think they did. I think that was when Amy was here. Like they they did a they did a Zoom one, and then when the pan when you could travel, they didn't come just to go for bows. Christ, <laughs> <laughs> they were visiting, but they came. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that much of an institution. It's like the hacienda. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they came, and that was really cool. Um, so it was a surprise that that many people came, but in the, you know, in the same breath, like it was just the same show, but just on your laptop, so that was quite nice. And it also showed you how many people can't go to these things because everything is either upstairs or downstairs. It's rubbish, and we need to do more about that. And it, you know, I, like we need lifts in things, because as much as, as soon as the pandemic ended, like having an online event, it should be part of the repertoire, really. And it's, you know, we, we should have done more of that, to be honest. But we tried with Juicy Street and stuff. Um, but it's just important. It's nice to see how many people will come if they can. Do you know what I mean? It was hard to have an excuse as well at that time. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm busy, what are you doing? I'm on my walk. Yeah, my yeah. Go <laughs> my government walk. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. And it was nice. It was nice to drink with people. You know, not, you don't have to drink, but it was nice to see, you know, sort of so pretend, so, you, know, yeah. you know, cheers to you and all that. And, you know, the clapping worked. It was harder online because if the Zoom link didn't work, you couldn't get back in. And, you know, <laughs> and I won't go into it, but some people were very mean on an email. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. But, you know, you just got to remember that it's, it's all free, isn't it? So yeah. it's, it's, not a, not a, it's not my fault. No, people just need to calm down. Sure, sure. <laughs> But yeah, it was harder, but it was lovely, and it was very rewarding. Um, and obviously, when we moved to here, it's, this is the perfect room for it. And now it's being very lovingly carried into the, I'm about to say the next century, but it's still, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean. It's being very well looked after by Does Lisa. Does it make it easier to give it up once you know that it's not going anywhere and you're leaving it in very capable hands? Yeah, so that's... That's why it was a f it was so fun to run because you know, because I've 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 must have gone to Lowe's before I ran it. Like you know, it will live longer than you. It also it made it easier to like it was no pressure. It wasn't my thing, and it's not anyone's thing. So you didn't. I never worried about what people thought of me, which is, makes a change um, <laughs> because it was just for both. So yeah, when I was giving it, the reason we get, I think the reason each host of a boast gives it to the next one is because they start to feel like they've either given it all they can or they need to use that time somewhere else. 
And it's really, and obviously it's great when you can handpick the people you want to give it to. And it felt really lovely to give it to Lisa and Alicia and Laria because of they're, like, they're smashing it and we knew they would, like the perfect people for it. And I'm sure when it's their time, they'll, they'll find other people. Like, verbose has to live. Like, if at any point it's, there's no, like, person to run it, I'll just come back and be like a caretaker manager. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, take it to the end of the season and then we'll just get, get someone in over the summer. It has to live. How did you choose? How did you choose the next, the, the next lot? Oh well, if you've listened to your very good episode, which came out today yesterday with Lisa O'Hare, who I keep gesturing at, but it, it is an audio <laughs> medium. Yeah. But there, there's Lisa. Um, obviously, I mean, obviously, like who would you pick to run a community poetry <laughs> behemoth? You would choose the community poetry officer. <laughs> yeah. It was a no-brainer. As soon as I started thinking about. And I, yeah, probably a year before we gave it up, I started thinking, because I had ran it with Zoe and Ava before, and then I ran it with Amy um, King, who, who was excellent. But me and Amy started to feel like we're, we love it, but we're not, we're not loving it as much as we did. So we started talking about that sort of Christmas, and it was, you know, it was obvious. Like, we, like there, were, there was a candidate, and it was Lisa O'Hare. <laughs> and it was like, who do we... Obviously, it's too hard to do it on your own. We found it really hard with two people. It's just so many emails. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, you, Lisa's nodding. Um, just emails and emails and emails. Um, so, I mean, Alicia, champions of the scene and people who came to Verbose a lot and were always so popular. So that's like the, the three of them all bring a part of it, which they were just a perfect match. Like, it was nice because they were like the three people we wanted to do it. We didn't know if they wanted to do it together, but it's like all three people we thought would be great at it are now doing it. So that can only be a good thing. So it felt lovely to pass it on. Yeah, absolutely. Super, super capable hands. Um, cool. Well, let's move on now, because I'm interested to know how you went from writing your poems to comedy. So do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, I mean, I always... My poet... Oh, it's weird that you're all here. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, most of my poetry was sort of humour-leaning. I think I've always struggled to... Um, commit to anything. Um, so the idea that when I came to uni, I've, I've always wanted to be a, a comedian, um, but saying that out loud makes me feel a bit sick. So I've always... <laughs> Is that the first time you said that? Probably that to other people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's um, amazing. And you are a comedian. I suppose I am. It's a room full of people who just laughed at you. It's, yes, it's, no, it's true. It's, yeah, it's hard to admit. That, that's what it's, I think it's very hard for me to admit that I want to do anything because then you say then you're sort of nailing it in stone. So whenever I was doing poetry, it was always sort of to get a laugh, but that was just like a byproduct. Oh, it's just oh, if they laugh, they laugh. It's poetry, but I like poetry, but I I was just going for the laugh, really. So once I realised that that's all I'm going to these nights for is to for people to laugh at me, I thought I should probably just just go to the places where they where that's what people are going for. Um, so I think it just took me a long time to, well, I mean, one, get the confidence. I was, before I went to the boats, I, I, it's, it's insane that I'd be doing this. Um, so I just built confidence up over a lot of years, sort of from sort of second year to now. And then the pandemic happened and I lost my job very, very, very early because I'm a freelance writer. We're very unkey as workers. Um, so we were, we were like straight away day one. Um, and I just sort of, I, w I don't think I'd have had the epiphany 
had I not had it not been forced on me by you know a global pandemic. But then I just thought, well, if, you know, if you're not going to do it now, you won't do it, and you might regret it. So I'll probably still do some poetry one day. It would be quite nice to do both at some point in a show. But um, it's nice now, currently, to sort of just go off on stage and be like, hi, I would like you to laugh at me, not yeah. give me, you know, yeah. Well, but you, having said that, in the video that you showed at the end, that's poetry. Yes. That's, it's, that's al it's also a very, very well-written piece of poetry. It's really tight, and it's a very, very clever piece of satire. I don't, you know, it's, we're, we're all going for that. We all know what it's satirizing, but it's, it's just pitched perfectly, I think. Do you think writing, writing poetry first helps you to like satirize it. Yeah, I think I yeah, I'm I'm generally wordy anyway. I think I think I like wordplay as of humor anyway. Um I think that's you're right. I think it's like a I can't it has there has to be an angle where I'm not taking it seriously basically mm. because then I'm not committing to the thing. It's like oh it's it's just a joke, so it's fine. So I think yeah. I I mean I I have I have written some serious stuff and I think I only did one once. I wrote a song about my nan, um, but even then, like it was, uh, it was before I ran for Bose, and halfway through, I accidentally burped, and I didn't have to reference it. <laughs> I didn't have to reference it, but then I thought, oh, I'll get a laugh here, and it kind of, and I, and people would laugh because I burped on stage. But I just sort of like, why can't I just do anything serious? <laughs> like, why can't I just sort of be like, no, this is for my nan, and she's lovely, and this is about her. But uh, yeah, so I think. I mean, yeah, I would love to one day just bring out an incredibly sad yeah, book like of poetry. Nick, Nick Cave. Like yeah, yeah. Really <laughs> and, and people would buy it and they'd be like, God, this is not what I thought this was going to be about. Have your smiling face on the cover. Yeah, yeah. And just <laughs> completely ruin whatever career I've we've built, basically, yeah. Well, on that, tell us about, because I've, it, it's something that gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Tell us about the first time you went to a comedy open mic. Oh, it's, it's, it's like the worst first time comedy story <laughs> ever. Were you here, Rob, when it happened? <laughs> no, you weren't here on the first one, were you? Oh, no, I wasn't. Um, no. Oh, the second, second one. Yeah, the second one. Oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first one was the worst. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but it's quite useful that it happened on my first show, I guess. It was here. It was right there. Uh, <laughs> That weird hole, probably where I'd wet myself. Um, it was a comedy competition um, for the Manchester Fringe in 2021. Um, it was, I mean, it was 10 minutes, which is too long for a first time. But I didn't know that. I'd never had to. Obviously, with poetry, I always read poetry from a page. One because, well, from a phone. One because I didn't have to look at people, and two because I just, I think it's. I mean, I would definitely forget stuff. I'd rather just not have the anxiety of thinking I'm going to forget it. So I would just read through that instead. Um, obviously, learning 10 minutes of new material that you've never done anywhere is just not possible. It's not possible. I don't know why I did that. I was like revising it like you would do lines at school. So I was just, in the, I was just writing it over and over again like I was going to do an essay. I was <laughs> absolutely mad. It would obviously never work. So I walked up here. I'd never done stand-up before. I didn't know how to pull the mic out. I still don't. You saw that earlier. <laughs> so I just left it in. I kept doing that. I just, I just left it. So I stood. Then I realized I'd never actually said it out loud before. <laughs> just, just done it in lines, like a detention. 
So I started, and then there weren't many people here anyway, but I mean, it does, that does not, I'm not saying that's why people didn't laugh. People didn't laugh because it wasn't funny. Um, <laughs> and then after a minute, uh, I was doing a bit about something about a career, and I, and I said, um, and I, I thought it might be this, but apparently not. Uh, and then I said, thanks for being here on the worst day of my life. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then I sat down. Um, <laughs> I didn't say goodbye, and the host had gone for a wee, because obviously I was meant to be on for 10 minutes. So you could hear him like flushing really fast. <laughs> and then running back in like, oh, there, thanks, Adam, cheers. And I just sat over there and I, and yeah, and it was, and because I'd spent most of the pandemic thinking about trying it. Um, so that was a huge anticlimax, basically. <laughs> um, but then they were very nice and they said, you should come back next week and try again. And I did, and that went, and that went better. Yeah, and now, yeah, so I've, I've, I, it was good to die about as hard as you can on the first one. But if they hadn't given me a second chance, I probably would never done it again. I was going to say, what made you try again? But they, well, they did, thank God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't. Just runs to the back. <laughs> it is, no, do you know what? That is incredible that you came back and did it again. It really genuinely is a testament to uh, a character, I think. And to a, to, a, to a tenacity of you really wanted to do it, like you were saying. That was yeah. the one thing that you wanted, and you were like this close to doing it, you just had to do it again. Well, I think the second time, I just did, I spent the whole 10 minutes talking about the previous ah, week. Nice. Yeah. So that is, again, me not taking it seriously. That's me being like, yeah. oh, I get to make fun of myself now. I can do that. I've been doing that all so my what, life. What sort of, what were you, if, if you had remembered it, what was the first 10 minutes? Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. It was so bad, my God. Toe curling. I'm not. Well, basically, it says a lot that I spent, you know, three or four weeks writing it, and I've never said any of it ever again. Uh, oh, actually, I never, I never did say any of it. So I just left. <laughs> so, yeah. Wrote it a lot. There's one joke in there that I thought was quite funny, but I, it's like a curse, and every time I even consider thinking of saying it, I just sort of clam up. So I just, ne I'll just never say it. So we just don't know. It just, no one will ever hear it. Um, maybe I just sort of <laughs> utter it in two years' time, but I think every, I, I do think about whacking it out. But it's, I think it's no, I think yeah. it's um, it's like my picture of Dorian Gray. If, if I if I say it, I'll just crumble up. <laughs> that was a good. Yeah, Thank you, literature. literature. There you go. Yes, I've not we read it. Books. <laughs> we also do crisps. Talk to us. Oh, don't, we can have them in a minute. Um, talk to us about. How the crisp you started. I think we all know sort of the basic outline of it. But yes, yeah, sorry everyone. Um, <laughs> I didn't really think, I mean, I didn't think this would be happening, but I didn't think I'd be on stage ever, and someone would ask me, so, you do crisps? Um, <laughs> this, yeah, I mean, lockdown, I, you know, we had a lot of time, basically, um, and um, it was actually my girlfriend's idea, because I like crisps, and we were in a park, and she said, oh, you should do a crisp with you. Um, I think she was joking. Um, <laughs> And she hates it. So <laughs> <laughs> I think the only reason we've not broke up is because it was her idea. So it's all like, well, you know, you can't really, uh, you can't really blame me. Um, but again, that was I had been I had been thinking of getting into the being on the internet game for a while um, because it would be a good way of seeing if people found me a bit funny if possible, so I might use that to move into stand-up. So it was sort of like what I could do during uh, the lockdown. 
but again, it's not comedy, is it? I'm just reviewing a crisp. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not committing to it. That's what it is. So I'm just hiding behind the crisp. The crisp was a new poetry. Um, I was, <laughs> I would just, you know, try them and then sort of see if people found it amusing. Some people do. Some people don't, and they like to tell me that um, in in the comments and stuff, and that's fine. Um, so yeah, so the crisps. Um, basically, I set out early um, pandemic for a goal because we all thought the lockdown was going to last two months, didn't we? Basically, um, so I thought, well, I will review crisps long enough that someone sends me some free ones because you see people get free stuff on the internet all the time, um, and then when I get sent some, I'll stop. Um, but it took 18 months <laughs> to get my first free crisps for free. That's 50 reviews. <laughs> 50. That's a lot of money, actually, when you count up all the, all the crisps I bought. Um, that's all four lockdowns. We had four lockdowns in Manchester, so that it lasted all four lockdowns. Um, and then when I did, did get some, I was already sort of knee-deep in being an online crisp I don't want to say influencer, but people keep saying it, and I'm not going to say... Some people say that. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. But I do receive crisps taste for free from crisp manufacturers quite a lot now. So, in a way, it's the most successful thing I've ever done. <laughs> By a long way, actually, which is quite sad, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, so now I, I get sent crisps taste, and I brought you my favourite ones because people ask me that a lot now. And it's nice to actually have people here so I can present them. Can I present them? Yeah, Is it presenting times? It, yeah. So, so these are the best crisps in the world. And that's coming from a crisp fluencer. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are dill chips from Sweden. But I think they're sort of generally just Scandinavia. Like these are to Scandinavia what paprika chips are to Spain. Are they, are they paprika heavy in Portugal as well? Yeah, paprika. Yeah. So these are like their, it's like the region's main crisp. Like Canada have ketchup. You don't need to tell. I don't need to tell you all the regions. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm just going to open these now. Yeah. On the mic. So. <laughs> they are absolutely delicious. Should I just hand one out each? We can all try them together. Yes. Um, be quite quiet. Yeah, you speak. We need songs for the elevator music again. So we've got Adam going up to everybody, offering out a dill crisp. We're going to have a short break, I think, <laughs> in the pod. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll cut yeah. crisps. Right, yeah. We've got, well, Romina has got some crisps for you to try as Thank well. Thank I'm very excited about this. Palette cleanser. Palette cleanser, very important part of the videos. The least favourite first. What have we got, Romina? Ruffles. Oh, have them. Um, ruffles, uh, Parmesan flavour. Oh. Ruffles are vegan friendly, right? Okay. Have you oh, no, imbibed? I'll, I'll go in now. He's going to imbibe. Okay. Let's hear it from the Chris Mum. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. No. Oh, there's more. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. think, I think they're going to be better. I mean, texturally, sure, like they're rich, so they get your tongue moving and a grooving. Um, but I would say f it's a synthetic bacon, just, it does taste a bit like it's been sprayed on. <laughs> like it, it didn't, it wasn't like 
it wasn't like flavoring dust, more like it was sort of like a bit of paint, sort of bacon flavor paint was been sort of attached to it. Uh, too dry. That ridge uh, just makes your mouth dry. And, you know, you know a, a bigger ridge, like the Australia deal from down here, y y sponsored by me, hopefully one day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not really a bacon guy. I know it's Parma ham, but they just said that because, because they can. They can. <laughs> they put it on the packet and we bought it, so fair enough. But yeah, sure, I'll give it a f five, no offense. All right. You can try this. So these are Lay's, uh, Camponeses, I don't know what that means. It's, uh, it's <laughs> I can't translate it right now. It's a Mediterranean type crisp. Your favorite crisps Yum. in the world. Better. 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 Like, unlike 99% of walkers, they're not damp. So that's good. Because most walkers taste a bit like a child has handed it to you in their hand. Yep. It's like, you're sort of clammy. Oh, do we like a Campesinos? Los Campesinos? That's a band, isn't it? That's not a crisp. Oh, is it? Yeah, they're better. <laughs> Flavor. There's three things going on there. Bit of tomato. That's nice. It's rare you get not like tomato sauce, like like salad tomato, which is what Mediterranean guys are going for. That's quite nice, I find. Quite sort of fresh on the palate, if you if you ask me, which no one has. Um, <laughs> bit of lettuce going on. Bit of salt. Bit of pepper. Bit of olive oil, maybe in the background. And a little bit of tang. Bit of salad dressing. Lovely. I like a crisp that's got more stuff going on than you can tell, and that's good. Whereas that is just synthetic bacon. <laughs> exactly. That gets a seven. 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 Thoughts on the thoughts on the second crisps? Anyone? Fab. Nice. Cheese and onion again. I think you'll just. Did got you just got a cold? Cheese and onion. But that's the beauty of crisps, you know. There's just so many flavours. <laughs> Back off. Okay. The we will give you some more crisps when we finish, but. Let's talk about um, turning a, uh, an internet hobby into hmm. a whole hour-long stage show. Yeah, because that's not that's that's a very different medium. <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah, the reason I'm doing the live show is because I'm trying to commit more to why am I doing this? Because I don't act, you know I love Chris, but I don't care that enough that I genuinely. And the reviews aren't because I want people to go and buy a crisp. It's just I'm just I'm just showing off on the internet, aren't we all? Um, basically, so I, the live show is kind of trying to full circle it, commit to a role for once, just be like, well, let's try and make this work for me. Um, sort of, you know, I've got I've made I've, this show is sort of half video content on the screen, like the thing we did earlier, and half sort of stand up. So it's quite a it's quite a sort of nice way to sort of get my feet wet in doing a sort of longer show without fully committing to just being stood with a mic for 45 minutes, which is really scary. And like that's like three or four years away or whatever. Um, so it's just an excuse to go and see if people can stomach me for longer than 10 minutes, which is what you do normally when you're doing comedy on the circuit and stuff. Um, and it's really fun because people like crisps and they come they don't know who I am and they just come to the show because they like crisps and that's really good and people pe people keep saying oh you found a really good gimmick and it's like well I didn't I just like crisps and so do you and now we're all here that's nice <laughs> um, so the show is 
it's the first thing I've actually done where I've said I'm going to do something and I've done it, which is nice. Um, so I'm trying to be a bit more like that post-pandemic. You know, I've, I've, I've um, and, and some people have come, and that's very kind of you, thank you. Um, did it here, um, and then I'm doing it at Edinburgh Festival in, in 11 days' time, and that's really scary, mainly. Um, but some strangers have bought tickets for it, which is mad, really. But I think I put it at a, I put it at 10 to 6, because I thought people might be hungry <laughs> at sort of that time. <laughs> Because you get free crisps in the show, and I think that's worked, which is great news. Um, so exciting, really, I suppose. How has the process been writing the actual show? Because obviously, reviewing the crisps on video is one thing. I, I would assume there's not too much like preparation for that. You would assume correctly. <laughs> <laughs> you just open the crisps, taste them, giving your honest opinion, whatever, um, but the process behind actually writing into, the, into a show, how, how has that been? How is, because I don't know, I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to ask how, how, writing, how has it been writing the show, basically? How, how, the, how that as a process has gone? That's, um, I only recently thought about this. I've done it seven times now, and every time I've done it, I've done it and then I've changed it the next day and done it again. So that's editing, right? Which I thought yeah. I'll say that on redraft because I love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's really the fun bit. Obviously doing it is fun if it goes well, but if it doesn't go well, that's not fun. But making changes to it and being like, um, this is going, you know, that bit did. I like it when things don't work because I can just cut it. Like when you just cut a line of poetry, like obviously you start with a big bit and then you just cut the bits that are a bit like just sort of path, just get rid of that. Is that a word? I've just said it now. But just cut all the path out. Is that a word? <laughs> do I mean that? What do I mean? Anyway, just cut all the needlessness out of it, basically. Just chop, 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 chop. Um, so it's been very much like writing anything, really. Um, obviously, having the video stuff means I can frame it in a way where I will show a bit, then I'll do five minutes, and I'll show a bit. And I'll so it's given me sort of bite-sized chunks um, to learn. So I've not... I've not got a bit that's longer than 10 minutes so that's quite it's like a sort of baby steps situation but that's the fun bit is is doing it and then filming it on your phone like just to just to hear what people think and then anything that people don't like get rid put something new in i think writing about one very it's just crisps and that's i think this the, the smaller the subject is the more rewarding it is when you fill a 45 minute or an hour with it because like yeah so you've spent seven hours watching that show, back? O on audio. On audio, just listening to it. I would, I would probably evaporate if I watched it. <laughs> I, I thought it sounded unlike... I can't watch myself back, which is a shame, really, because you, know, you need to edit videos of yourself. But no, um, <laughs> no, I would just listen to audio. I'd listen to sort of volume of laugh. Um, and if it's good, it stays. And if it's bad, mm. I'll cut it for the next one and move it on. I'm, I'm making loads of changes between now and Edinburgh. Um, but it's it's useful. Every, you, know, you have to tell yourself every time something doesn't work, just that's fine, that's good. It means we could put something better in there. Mm. Um, so that's good. I think also at the end of the day, it is just a show. It's just a PowerPoint about crisps, basically. So you know, it, can't, it can't be incredible. Yeah. So you just have to be like, well, you know, it's, it's, you just got to make it as good as it can be. And then if, you know, it's not, it's not going it's to... It's very good. Who's seen it? Who's seen it? It's very good, right? It's oh, thank you, yeah. But it's not like... it's not. Like I'm there's, there, there's a ceiling. 
But yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. it's like it's like you can make it as good as you can, but also no pressure. You're not going to win the Pulitzer. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. That's not the right prize, you is it? You touched on it. <laughs> Unlikely to win that as well. Um, you touched on it earlier, but like, do you think? Do you worry about be it, it being a gimmick or being boxed in and being like, I don't want to do crisps anymore. I want to do like yeah. know, pop reviews or something. It's just yeah, I I, I can't bear the idea that I've decided to be something. I think so. <laughs> Like that's like the whole. I started starting comedy at, in, at 26, I think. Like I've, I've wanted to do it since I was about 12, but I just couldn't bear the idea of people thinking, "Oh, Adam thinks he can do that." What a knob. Um, so yeah, the crisp. Get me, I, yeah, I hate the idea of being. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to be the crisp guy. And a lot of people refer to me as a crisp guy, and I guess that shows that you know. I'm, I'm breaking into the bones of people I don't know, but I don't want that at all. And I think I may be retiring the review after this summer. Um, see, because no one went, ah, oh, there. Um, which says to me, it's time <laughs> to let it go. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was only meant to do it for two months. And now, it was, and then last year it was like, oh, I'll just do a live show of it, that'd be fun. And that was meant to be one off, and then it went all right. And now I'm just doing Edinburgh. So, like I said earlier about the boats, I struggle to let things go, but I also don't want to be known as the guy that does the thing. So it's just a, it's just a, a cycle, really, of that. <laughs> so no, I don't want to be known as the crisp guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to go back to the editing, because obviously I'm, I'm really interested in that side of things. You said about editing after shows and listening back to yourself. Do you, like... Do you show it to anyone before you perform? Does anyone like give you kind of like feedback, or is that like a solo thing and you just do it after shows? Oh, we're just just the stand up itself. Well, um, with this with this show particularly, I'd say. No, I do it all on my own. I think because I I don't want. Yeah, I do it on my own because I, I yeah I I I like criticism. I, I'm happy. I I really want people to give me feedback and stuff. It doesn't bother me. Um, but I think I'm just embarrassed. To ask, maybe to be like, but I really liked it earlier when you said like, come and tell me afterwards about your poem. I was like, I I should do more of that because I do want to know. Um, stand up wise, I just do I just do it all on my own. I can't stop thinking about it, which is I don't I don't want to think about it. I'm just you know, a lot of the time, I'm at, I just wake up at three in the morning for no reason and just spend six hours thinking about it. It's really annoying. Um, so I'm I'm always editing, just sort of on my own in my head. <laughs> Which sounds sad out loud. <laughs> um, no, I, you, I, I think it would be healthy to have someone to write with, and I'm, that's something I'd like to do eventually um, on like TV shows and stuff like that. Um, but for now, it's yeah, I, I sort of just do it in coffee shops every day um, on my own. Somehow, I said it on my own a lot in that <laughs> <laughs> on that paragraph. It's quite cool though, because it sounds like every. Every new audience probably has a different version of it, right? Yeah, and all the best bits I've come up with have happened by accident during a bit I've written. So you write the bit, it's always too long, and then you do the bit, it's the first time new, and you know it's too long because you can see people losing interest, and that's fine. Like you, you, you learn, right, that's too long, we work on it, and then normally that's when you'll sort of come away from it, you'll say something quippy about that bit being shit and, like, and then people will laugh at that and think, okay, well, then we'll put that in. So we'll cut that, put the thing that people laughed at in. So you always, you can only do that live, I think. 
I mean, I'm not very experienced. Maybe you could write it. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm quite new to it. But you just you 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 learn the sound of people losing interest. Even obviously, it's easy in comedy because they just they just don't laugh. Um, <laughs> but even in poetry, like you, when you're doing spoken word, like you can feel a room shift when you've lost them. I don't know what to just how to describe that. But like even maybe just people breathe different. I don't know. You definitely feel an aura change. And you think that's gone on too long now. When people are giving you their proper undivided attention yeah. versus what's happening over here now, which is that we've lost them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a bit of rustling and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so if, you, if you can hear a pin drop, you've, that they're there. But yeah. If, yeah. Or do, perhaps not in comedy, actually. <laughs> no, yeah, luckily that, yeah, if, you know, if, yeah, if there's a pin dropping, you've, 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 you need to go home. Um, interesting because I spent my whole time on stage trying to ignore the crowd and you, yeah. you obviously have to pay very much attention to how it's being received it is because that's the main I think that's the only difference with doing spoken word and comedy is that you want there to be breaks whilst people react whereas in poetry the thing I always struggle with poetry with watching other people do it is like you know when some people don't let you know the poem is finished um, and then that <laughs> that happens, and everyone's like, <laughs> but then they haven't finished. It's just a really long pause. So, like the, you've you've you that you've you've made that or you've made that for yourself because the previous poem you didn't say cheers or something, and now you know there's so many times I've clapped midway through someone's poem because it's, there's been a three seconds so you just have to, I think if I could say anything to your listeners please just say cheers or thanks or, or anything but, to, but you want pauses in comedy because that means people are laughing and then you get to think about the next bit which is something you learn not at the beginning which is like you don't have to learn all ten minutes in one you have to learn the minute and then you know a laugh is there and you think Whilst they're doing that, you're then thinking about the next bit, which is different in poetry, where you're just trying to get to the end, I think. I'm not sure if that was a good answer to that question. <laughs> I think we're about ready for the big question. Yeah? yeah? Go ahead. Cool. So, um, as I'm sure you know, we had the Redraft podcast. Well, you know that, but on the Redraft <laughs> podcast, <laughs> uh, we always ask, uh, the big question, which is, if we gave you the chance to go back and redraft an area of your life or your writing career, um, what would you go back and change? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this ever since you asked me to come on the show. Thank you very much, by the way, for having me. Um, cheers, everyone, for looking at me. That's nice. Um, <laughs> there's so many answers to the question because I have so many regrets. Um, But I think I'll go for the first one. And when I was 14, we had an assignment where we had to write the first two pages of a book. And everyone else wrote two pages of a book. And I wrote like eight. And that's fine. I was into it. I got into it. That's a good answer to the question you asked me at the beginning of the show when I was very nervous and just chatted shit. Um, but I wrote eight pages. And it was quite good for a 14-year-old. And my English teacher was like, that's quite good for a 14-year-old, but not like that. But like, oh. like, but she, like, it was nice. It felt nice to be praised. Um, and then I just kept writing it. Like the, the homework was over. And, but every day after school, I just kept writing a fucking novel 
and it took, and it, honestly, it just took my life over. <laughs> and people were being very encouraging. They're like, oh, that's really, oh, wow, that's really impressive. Like, you're writing a novel when you're 14. And it's not helpful, actually. <laughs> really, I, I just, because I just did, I just, every day I'd come home from school and just go on fucking Word 95 and keep writing <laughs> this rubbish book. Um, and I've still got it somewhere. It, I, I th it's like 55,000 words long. Wow. <laughs> and that's halfway. It was like chapter 13. It was like a horrible, weird spy spoof thing. It was so embarrassing. It was like, honestly, if Alan Partridge wrote, wrote a book about a spy, it would be like that. <laughs> but I just, uh, I, the, I was sort of hooked on the praise of my English teacher because something to do with therapy I've not had yet. But I really wish I hadn't because I don't think I've had any chill since, basically. Um, and ever since being a 14-year-old, like, people would encourage me and be like, oh, maybe you could put it in a competition. You might win like a Young Writers Award. Or you, might be, you, might, you might be like one of these like, young writers who has a book out at 15. And people should just shouldn't tell kids like that. <laughs> Stop telling me that I'm a special child. I, like, it's really annoying. I'm just, write, just writing a bad... It's not good either. Like it, like, so, and then one day I just got sort of page 55... No, word 55,061. And then I got a... Fight, thank God, got my first girlfriend and just gave up being a novelist. <laughs> but the pressure of um, being Britain's youngest, next best-selling writer... <laughs> I think has drastically affected how I treat my life and how I relax or don't relax. I think I've been thinking about shit I've got to write my book for 14 years. <laughs> and it's sort of just become my character that I, that I can't just have a sit and just not do anything because I've got to write the book. I've not got to finish the book. I've, I've never finished a book, Will and Romina. I never finished it. And, that, and that's been hanging over me for half of my life. So I would go back and I would tell 14-year-old me to just hand the homework in and go outside. <laughs> Does anyone have a question they'd like to ask Adam? Don't feel any pressure, but if you do, if you anything, go. <laughs> oh. oh, God, okay. Uh, another food. Uh, <laughs> That's a serious one. I hope not. I, I was thinking you could do My Dad Wrote a Porno with your book. If you could find it, you could go back through and read it out. And don't, I don't need that, I'm just Will. just it's an option. Do you not just hear what I said? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, and I've been thinking that for 14 years. <laughs> no, the book needs to... Go away, but actually, maybe you're right, and maybe I will. Um, oh, shit, I wish you hadn't said that. I'll think about that for now. Um, I honestly, I have some goals from the crisps. One of them is I would like to find a company who will release crisps with me, like a, a, a range. I think that would be funny. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe not, but like genuinely, I, I think that's. 
that's something I could try and pursue, that'd be quite lol, wouldn't it? Um, I think no, because I don't want to be just a review guy. Also, the thing is, you you go on, you think, oh, I'll just review Chris, and you think, oh, no one's doing that. And actually, because there's eight million people, billion people in the world, like a hundred fifty thousand people are reviewing Chris on the internet. And we all follow each other, and you think, oh, great, wow, I've got 4,000 followers. But just 4,000 other people opening Ruffles, Savoir Presunto and going, oh, yeah, six. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, God, there's no new ideas in the world, basically. So no, no thank you. Although I would like to be a um, food blogger and or restaurant critic. So maybe I'd take a swerve in that way. But that, crucially, would be a paid role, which nothing else I do is. So it'd be lovely to... Thank you. <laughs> oh, I care a bit. Cool question. Um, there's a comedy club in Newcastle called The Stand, which is legendary. I didn't understand what it was until I got there. There were 200 people there, and they all wanted to be there, which is so rare in sort of at my level and it felt completely different to anything I've ever done. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I can, I can probably do this now because it just felt, it just felt incredible. Um, I don't have a funny answer to that question. It just felt like I was being justified for the first per time in my life. Um, not in a sad way. Lots of R's tonight. <laughs> uh, lots of R's in the room. It just felt like... Um, it felt like I was committing to doing something and people were generally pleased with it and that's nice. Um, so that was great. Cheers. Anyone else? Rob? I actually never got to try Brannigan's. And you'll be amazed how often people ask me about Brannigan's <laughs> for SOB. Um, I'll never get to t review that crisp. And I think that's one of the sadder things I've said this evening. No one's hard that one. <laughs> um, how were they? Tell me. You told me with your eyes. I could see it in your eyes, Rob. <laughs> No, I'm, they're laughing. I'm not. I feel you. That's his. We'll look into that, Rob. <laughs> and if they can, we'll review them together, please. Lovely. Great. Remind, remind me. Anyone else? Galaria, go. Oh, God. Um, his, I was 14, and I was 14, let's remember the year, in 2011. Um, his name was Terry. Uh, Terry Goldman. And he drove a Ford KA, which was gold. <laughs> <laughs> and 
he was a psychologist who MI5 needed for some reason. I don't think there was much plot. No, there was. I'll take it back. There was too much plot. Um, he was a psychologist who they needed to sort of character profile someone, a Russian, <laughs> who was probably called like Russian Russinsky or something like that, because I was only 14. Um, and uh, yeah, and he went to MI5 in, and the, the entrance to MI5 was in a disused tube station. That's all I remember from Goldman. Thanks for making me relive it, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cool. Thank you very much, Adam. Thank you very much for coming and enjoying the podcast with us. And uh, thank you to you all for coming along as well. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning in to this live episode of the Redraft Podcast. Um, you can find us at Redraft Podcast on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Will Who Writes and. Ramina's is at Ramina Writes. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.